Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of New Vida Let's Talk. Uh, today we're honored to have Taylor and Jeremy from TJ Real Estate uh, with us here today. Uh, honestly, I look up to these two. If, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would be in the real estate game. And that's just very transparent. But not only that, um, these two are, they're really big on giving back to their community, whether that be through events, whether that be through education, or whether that be donating to charities that are local. Um, they're just incredible people. So thank you so much, uh, guys, for coming on. And if you guys want to give a brief introduction about yourselves, like who you are and what do you do in your business. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Awesome. You, you want to go ahead? <laughs> awesome. Okay. I'm, uh, I'm Jeremy from uh, TJ Real Estate. We've been doing real estate for about three years now. We've done about 50 deals, uh, whether that, you know, all buying and selling. Uh, we primarily focus in the Chatham Kent real estate market and mainly focus on buying anything between single family to 12 unit apartment buildings. Um, and we focus on using the Burr strategy. So that's basically taking buildings that are kind of run down or in need of repair, uh, we go in, we turn those buildings over, and then once we're done with that, bring them back to the bank and, and continue doing that process or continue building up uh, those buildings. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good explanation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. I guess like, mm -hmm. let's uh, let's kind of bring it back, I guess, right? Like to like the early days, you know, yeah. like like maybe high school days. You can start with like Taylor first, then maybe Jeremy. Just yeah, kind of sure. like like your, your roadmap, I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, so Jeremy actually met, Jeremy and I met when we were like seven, 16, 17. So yep. we met pretty young, um, at, actually at a campground where at Jeremy's campground. parents now live. <laughs> um, so anyway, so ended up, we ended up dating, um, trying to think what next. Jeremy ended up going out to, out west and oh, west, yeah. um, both of us were like kind of in school doing our own thing, saving up our money. Um, and then when you came back from out west, you actually, your parents had left town and had nowhere to live. So I actually lived like with my family for two years. Mm -hmm. So we lived together and had opportunity to save a lot of money doing that, like working from home and in school, uh, not having to pay rent. So then we were actually able to buy our first house when we were like, I think 19 or, and 20. Well, when we were 19, uh, Taylor was, Taylor was 19 and I, or Taylor had just turned 19 and I was, I was 19, we're, we're a year apart. and. So we got a house under contract back then. We had $20,000 and, you know, figured we were going to do 5%, 10% down. So we were able to get a house under contract uh, just outside or just in the vicinity of Fanshawe College. And what we learned at the time is we couldn't get a mortgage because we didn't have credit and we didn't have any family backing to kind of, you know, give us that pre or, um, you know, just kind of help us through that. Go sign. Yeah. Uh, so we actually ended up having to live at Taylor's house for another year and a half. Uh, which, you know, then kind of the market exploded. Yeah. So what went from, you know, having a $150,000 budget to buy a single family house, now all of a sudden went up to $250,000 maybe was our budget, mm -hmm. uh, which, at the, you know, seems crazy now to think that you could buy a single family house in London for $250,000. <laughs> but we managed to buy this really rundown house uh, in East London um, near Argyle Mall. So we bought it for $199,000. And it needed a lot of work. Actually, Taylor ended up uh, coincidentally going to school with the person that lived in that house, and it was used as like a, a drug house at the time. Wow. Um, Small world. So we went in there. Yeah, it was it was it was odd that like she was in class with somebody and just. What a coincidence. Yeah, it's a very small world. Yeah. So we ended up fixing up that house and it literally went from me working full time as an electrician to coming home at night and Taylor and I, I remember the one night we were like hammering out tiles in our, you know, hallway just to get it ready for putting down flooring on the weekend. So, you know, all in, we spent about a year like renovating that house and we were, ma we managed to uh, refinance it for $340,000 about a year and a half later. 
So that kind of gave us like some working capital uh, to then go out and buy some some rental properties. But at that point, like you guys didn't have real estate in your head, like 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 real estate investing. Not, at least. Not, so I guess where I got the real estate bug was I, I went out west when I was 18. I finished uh, electrical techniques at Fanshawe College and I was trying to become an electrician. And it was very difficult at the time to get somebody to sign me on as an electrician. And again, coincidentally, my mom was talking to somebody who knew somebody out west and they were just looking for somebody to come out or they were looking for hundreds of apprentices to come out there and work on the oil fields. So I went out there um, when I was when I was 18, kind of dropped everything. Taylor and I had, you know, we were dating for about a year. And the guy that I was living with there out west, he was 21 years old at the time. I was 18 and I was always into, you know, talking about money with people. Uh, you know, talking about business. I always wanted to, you know, kind of get to that next step. So me and this guy, we were talking one night and he said, you really got to get into real estate. Uh, he said, I just surpassed having $100,000 in my bank account. And at the time, I actually remember moving out west. I had like $6,000 in my bank account and drained all of it. Like, you know, because I had to buy like bed, bed frame, yeah. like this, it managed to just have no money. I actually couldn't pay rent the first month because I didn't have money from furnishing or from uh, just from furnishing. Also. I was able to pay my oh, sorry. I was able to pay my first month's rent, but usually you have to put a last month's deposit. Yeah, first and luckily I was living with a, a nice old lady at the time before I moved into the seller house. And she was, you know, oh, don't worry, pay me when you get paid next. Um, but yeah, so when I was living with this guy, he was saying, you know, got to get into real estate. You know, I just surpassed having a hundred thousand um, dollars. And I can only help to think, right? We were, there was six bedrooms in this house. We were all paying eight or 900 bucks at the time. Um, and he had five houses on the street that he owned. So eight times five times, you know, he was making a lot of He's money. He um, was 21. 21. <laughs> and he was only buying more. And he was kind of telling me like, oh, I just buy them. And then I refinance them a few years later. He didn't really understand what he was. Well, at the time, the power of what he was doing, probably. Yeah, I mean, yeah. now I can only imagine. Are you still connected with him? I'm not. Oh, uh, but I remember when I came back or kind of after he told me that, I was just thinking in my head, like, how do we save up? Like, how do I save up money every single week? Um, at the time I was like investing in mutual funds. So I would just put like $150 a week into mutual funds and then eventually it was 200 bucks a week, then 500 bucks a week. And then kind of Taylor and I got on the same train where we're like, let's try and save as much money as possible. Because, you know, even to get your first $10,000 is very difficult to save up. It is really hard, uh, especially being paid hourly. Um, you know, like entrepreneurs always say, you don't want to make money, you want to create money, right? Yeah. So there's like, there's bigger opportunities than, you know, just kind of working hourly, but it's very hard to get out of that. So, so we knew we wanted to get into real estate kind of at that point, but I don't know, you want to talk about how, <laughs> how you felt about real estate? <laughs> this is how the conversation will go. Yeah, I'll pass it. How we going? Um, well, maybe about how you were hesitant at the time, because when, when I was, so, so the way it kind of started was I was <laughs> listening year? to bigger, po uh, this was, uh, this would have been 2019. Yeah. Okay. Good. I, I got connected, uh, through like Matt McKeever yeah. and then, you know, naturally people were saying like, go to meetups, listen to bigger pockets. So I remember we were, I started listening to bigger pockets and I would like have a bath at night and literally like just sit there for like hours listening to bigger pockets. I was like fascinated. Uh, you know, I'd always try and look at the ones like, you know, 21 year old, like quits his job or whatever, you know, because I was always inspired about people taking like massive action and really like doing what people say is kind of impossible. Right. Like even when we tell people now, like, you know, we don't really work like full time. It's it's a lot of people are kind of fascinated about it. But I don't I don't think people realize how obtainable it is for everyone to yeah. kind of do this. I mean, obviously, if everyone was doing it, there probably wouldn't be an opportunity. Yeah. But there's so much opportunity in, in the country we live in that. Um, so yeah, so we're listening to bigger pockets and naturally I was just 
try and get Taylor to listen to them while I was around. Yeah. So, so Taylor, what was, I guess, like, like how did, yeah, you break the ice and be like, okay, let's do this. Um, I think, like, our first house, like, we were, that's when we started listening to a lot of podcasts. We actually had one of Jeremy's uh, co-workers live with us, and we did, like, a house hack in the basement. Oliver yep. was, like, cool. paying 500 bucks and was living in the basement, and uh, that's not something I enjoyed, <laughs> having to share a kitchen and bathroom and everything with this random dude. Um, so... Anyways, interested in podcasts or listening to podcasts and stuff like that. Um, and then OREC 2019 was the thing that kind of like pushed me fully into it. Um, and I remember Jeremy being like, it's like $200. Like, I'm like, we're going to spend $200 to go to this real estate event. Like, that's so much money. And like, I don't know. Anyways, he convinced me to do it. And then I was like, then I was like, wow, there's like so much opportunity. And there's so many like successful people. It's local. It's real. It's not like in the States where houses can be purchased for $40,000. And like, you're like, can you do that in Canada at that point? So then, uh, yeah, and then I really kind of got into it after that. Yeah, Obviously. and what was cool at the event was uh, who's now, like the uh, Kellen and Angie, who are now like our best friends, uh, they were both speaking at the event. And mm -hmm. Kellen at the time, I want to say he was maybe 26. Um, he had 10 properties at the time. And when he finished his speech, because he was still working full time, he was like, I, and, and after like, you know, yesterday was my last day at work. Uh, like I quit and then they were going on like a three month van trip. So it was really cool to see people like in your community that were doing this, you know, it wasn't, you know, somebody that came from like the States and, you know, trying to sell out this big arena to try and, you know, just hype people up to make money. It was like a real event of like real people, you know, actually taking action. And it's crazy. Cause I feel like you, you have to see real people doing stuff before you convince yourself that you can do it. Yep. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's one of those things where that's why like the meetups and like the conferences and events are so important because it kind of opens your eyes and your perspective. And then that's all you kind of think about. Right. Yeah. And I think your, your circle really has a big influence on that. And I know like even now there's, there's really nothing where it's where you, where I ever want to look at and think like, there's no way we can't, we can't do that because there's when, when you, when you're connected with people who are, you know, trying to uplift you all the time, trying to inspire you, they're doing inspiring things. It's hard not to take action. Yeah. Right. I had the question. So like I did a little bit of research and you quit your job first, right? Before yep. getting into real estate. Right. And then you quit yours the following a year after. Right. What kind of pushed you guys each to make that jump? And like, how did it feel while you, seeing the other one kind of make that jump was it motivating was it kind of like were you worried about it yeah so let's say jeremy's was like a uh COVID happened so like that was part of yeah. it where he, he got laid off and um at first we're like okay great like this is a good time to start working on real estate and then he's like his boss is like hey, it's time to come back now and jeremy's like i don't want to come back now um so i remember jeremy like came to me and you were like so like what do you think about me quitting my job and like you gave me all of the reasons of like why he should quit his job at that point you. like i was still in university i was working part-time and i was like I don't really feel confident about this. And then, I, and then you just like kept going on. And I'm like, sounds like you already made a decision. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't think I have a vote. <laughs> so I got laid off for like a two week period. Uh, and it, it's, it's crazy to think about, but I remember our boss calling us and being like, guys, I don't know what to do. Like all of our contractors said, like all the sites are closed down. Like, and you know, all we did is worked for commercial clients uh, and residential clients. So it was tough. Nobody wanted you in their house and, and nor did the, nobody really knew what they could do. Yeah. So we got laid off for two weeks. And in that two week time period, uh, where we had, I had a lot of time to spend on real estate. We, we, we managed to get three more properties under contract and I couldn't at the time I, I was thinking, you know, like I'm going to go back to my job so I could, I could see a clear way of how we were going to be able to accomplish these properties. Um, 
but then I got laid off and then it was like the third property. And so I said to my realtor, I said, we got to try and get like my, we got to try and get a vendor take back mortgage on this property because I don't think we can finance all of these. Cause I don't think I'm going to have a job like when these, when these come down. So, so we were able to manage to do that. But like Taylor said, my boss called me and I was working on a, uh, one of our construction sites and he called me and he's like, Hey, I need you to come back to work. And I said, Hey, like I'm a little busy right now. I just need to call you back in a sec. And, but I was thinking in my head of all the things like that could go, that could go right. Like making this decision. Uh, that's what, like what I'm very like risk adverse. And I would say Taylor's the more op- conservative, more, more conservative. <laughs> perfect uh, partnership. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, let's just do it. What's worst case scenario. You know, we, ha- we, at the time we didn't have a big portfolio. We, we certainly weren't like cash flowing. So um, what was the situation at that time when you quit your job? So we had, I think we, we were working on a duplex on park street. So I think that was our fourth property. Fourth. Uh, so uh, there, there was really, there was really, there was like on paper, it didn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, but in my head it did. And so I said to myself, like, what's the worst that can happen at the time I was probably 19 or 20 years old. There was, I could still, we could restart. That's how I felt at the time. Like there, we didn't build up so much that like, like now with what we have, I would never want to like start over. Right. Yeah. But at the time I could, I could see like, there's not that much. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, I thought it was worth the risk. Well, and if you look at it, like at that point, you're like, you're making X amount of dollars or you're paying contractors to do it. So like an easy way to look at it is like, instead of paying the contractor that much, like you can do that and, and we can do all the extra things. Right. Yep. So I started working on all the construction sites and I just justified it because I said, you know, I'm paying people $30 an hour anyways. Yeah. Um, if I went back to work, I would still be paying these people $30 an hour. So why not just get rid of one of the $30 per hour that, that I'm uh, hiring and I'll do it for free. Which is yourself, right? Which is myself. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I was an electrician. I, I just became, I was, I just got my license as well too. Um, and my family, you know, we grew up doing renovations. So I had that background of, you know, how to do kitchens, how to do bathrooms, how to do flooring. So it was, it was nice for, for a very long time, you know, working on these projects because it was me and my parents, Kind of doing them uh, side by side, which was, which was great for you know efficient renovations. We you know we knew everything was getting done properly, um, yeah. and it was it was also really nice too just being in Chatham all of the time, uh, and that's really where we got started finding off market deals because I said you know after a while we realized, you know Taylor was making maybe three or four hundred bucks a week. There wasn't that much money coming in. Yeah. Um, and at the time, all we had is an Airbnb in our backyard, so that was kind of paying the bills for our house, but it wasn't enough. Uh, so then we started kind of wholesaling. Um, so how do you two, like, um, like you guys obviously have been through some stressful times together, like, you know, in regards to like, we don't have money this week. How are we going to make this work? How are we going to like during the fourth house, the fifth house, the sixth house? How do you guys deal with that? Like, like mentally, how do you guys deal with that together or individually? I feel like for me, like for what, to your point when I quit my job for that, that was like the money concern. So, um, a lot of our friends were the people that were like, you should quit your job. You're fine. Like, everything's good. I wouldn't have, like, a crazy high-paying job. Um, so it was like, you could, like, this is not unreasonable for you to obtain that amount of money, like, through a refinance, through a wholesale, through, like, other sort of kind of, like, active income sources. So what we did, or, like, what I did to make myself feel comfortable about it was, like, hey, let's do a refinance, put that money in the refinance into a savings account and that of, like, my salary for the year. And then I paid myself from that savings account to a checking account every week my paycheck so it was like hey i'm i'm set for a year i have like no financial concerns like essentially it's as if i'm working but now i have 
40 hours extra a week to make money different ways. Yeah. Yeah. And a quick question, because like we always talk about like financial literacy in general, you know, like a lot of Canadians are not financially literate. Like more than like like eighty percent. Um, I think it was seventy nine percent. Yeah, like we, just but, under eighty. Yeah, and like and like even me for example, like I didn't know how to use a credit card till like past twenty years old because like, um, you learn financial literacy from home, right? And like yeah. my parents are immigrants that come from a third world country, so all they know is debt, yeah. right? So 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 it's crazy how much financial literacy plays a role in like your your life. So how how are you guys in regards to like financial literacy? Like were you guys literate from a young age or? And who taught you? That's a real big thing. Yeah, I think for me it was like when I was. Uh, my first job was working at McDonald's, and and I, I had oh, always okay. just like no <laughs> no. What? <laughs> it was it was great, and I always I would always just try and, you know, just set new goals like oh let's try and make like five hundred bucks this week. And, like at the time, right? It was like you know going from five hundred to six hundred bucks was like that was an extra like, two days of work. Yeah. At yeah. the time, so I'd always try and challenge myself to like how much money, uh, I could make, um, so then I could save. I was I had this goal of like I always wanted to like have like ten thousand dollars in my bank account. I thought there was like enough money at the time to like start a business or or you know do something uh, creative, and I think that's where like I kind of got the itch because then I would you know I started like reading books like the Wealthy Barber, um, like Rich Dad Poor Dad, uh, and I think from there just you know kind of realized there's you know there's hourly money to be made and then there's like leveraged money to be made and and there's a significant amount of more money to be made uh, leveraging, you know, assets versus going like, into work. Yeah. I like how you made the comment about this 10000 And, like, I kind of can relate because I had a lot of buddies who told me, once you make your first $10,000, that's literally all you need to make because then how hungry you become to make the next ten. Yeah. Right? Because everybody makes 1000 Not really. You don't really get the concept of what 1000 bucks can do. 5000 still same thing. But once you make the first 10000 like, you're like, wow, it's I made the first 10000 didn't take so long. And then you're kind of like powered into making more. Was that something you can relate to? Yeah, yeah. And I think I always, I always saw that I consistently saw the progress, right? So even for me too, uh, when I came back to London, I was always doing side jobs. Like after, I would go to work and then go to work after work uh, to make more money. And what I realized was, when I would do when I when I worked for my company, I would make I think I went anywhere from like eighteen dollars to like thirty two dollars by the time I was done. But when I was making $18 an hour at work, I was going after work and charging people $40 an hour. And then $40 an hour cash, which actually looked like $50, $55 an hour. So so from there, I was just getting, you know, more and more excited about like, you know, this is something I, I knew I wanted to work for myself. And I think Taylor the same way. So it was, it was really like, what is the vehicle to get us um, out of, you know, working for somebody else? And I think there's like a misconception of like, we love real estate. I, I do love real estate. But the, the whole reason behind real estate is to is to uh, give me the, the freedom in life uh, to do other things. Yeah. So whether it be real estate, whether it be any other sort of business, I would have been happy with all of them. It was really just a vehicle to get me out of that. You know, now we're like traveling full time or not full time, but over half of the year. Six months, right? Yeah, we, we hang Those out with a lot of friends. Issue, yeah. we, we do a lot of things with people like we're, we're very happy now. So it's not like I don't try and let real estate or neither does Taylor. We don't let real estate control our, our life. It's really uh, it was just a vehicle to, to get us there. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, cool. And I was going to say, like, um, with, with like real estate specific, it's one of those things where I feel like people find like there's a big barrier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, like you always search online, like, how do I make money? Either you own a business you invest in stocks or you buy real estate yeah and real estate seems like 
the hardest or most intimidating one out of all of those you know what i mean um i guess uh how did you guys mentally break through that barrier of like yeah we can do this like you know what i mean like you guys are super like risky you know what i mean like i mean and have big goals and big visions but you guys succeed in them like what makes you just keep on going I would say, well, I'd say we broke into the market by finding a market that was affordable. So, yeah. like, when we started, we're like, we want to buy real estate. Can't afford London. Like, we can we afford our own house, but we can't afford a rental property in London at that point. Um, so, we're like, hey, what areas, like, nearby basically are affordable? And then we kind of just, like, stumbled upon Chatham, and that was where we could invest. So, like, breaking in, like, people people are very, like, narrow-minded or very, like, I can't, I can't afford this. Well, it's like... You probably haven't ran the numbers. Have you, like, looked at how much money you're spending? Have you looked outside of, like, a 40-minute radius? Like, there's a lot of opportunity, but people are very easily, like, kind of stuck in one direction. Yeah. I think the problem is people don't ask the right questions, or nor do they even know what the right question is. So for a lot of people, uh, you yourself, Ricardo, you know, when you came into the mastermind group, and a lot of people in that mastermind group, their thought was, I can't buy real estate, but let's see what this like, this can give me, yeah. right? And then and then you start learning about like alternative strategies, and all of a sudden, um, it's it's within reach, right? Yeah. So for a lot of people, they think if I want to buy my first property, um, you know, I went to the bank, the bank said I can only afford three hundred thousand dollars. Well, what the bank's not telling them, nor is society telling them, is maybe you could buy a duplex. And with having one of the sides rented at, you know, maybe fifteen, eighteen hundred bucks a month, now all of a sudden you can afford a six hundred thousand dollar. Um, property because you have income coming in from the other unit and with that six hundred thousand dollars all you need is five percent down right because you can do a CMHC loan at five percent down you don't need twenty percent down for your first property if you're doing owner occupied and what they also don't tell you is for your first property you can get gifted money so maybe you can ask friends and family maybe you only have fifteen thousand dollars but maybe you can ask friends and family for the other fifteen thousand dollars maybe they have it on a line of credit so they're going to charge, they're, they're paying five or 6% on that line of credit. Maybe you pay them six and a half percent. So they're making a little bit of money and they're also helping you. There's a lot of different ways you can get into the market. Um, but the banks don't, don't really tell you this, right? So that's why it's like important to like educate yourself because, uh, even for us, you know, buying, we bought two apartment buildings this year. Um, we didn't have the money in our bank account mm -hmm. to buy those apartment buildings. But we had the resources, the people around us to help us buy those apartment buildings, yeah. right? So, so again, it's, it's kind of just like taking it step by step. And I always try and tell people, like, if you're trying to do something and you, and you can't seem to do that thing, you know, you probably want to ask yourself, like, what's, what, what is the, the one thing or maybe the two things holding me back from doing that? So for, like, for an investor standpoint, if somebody's not buying a property, let's just say I don't want to buy a property right now. Um, or I want to buy a property, but I feel like I can't. Is it maybe because I'm over overwhelmed with the things I have going on in my business? Maybe there's too many renos. Maybe I'm trying to do too many things in my business. Is it potentially money? Do I not have the money to buy that rental property? What is that thing? Because a lot of times, you know, people just say, I, I can't do that. Or I don't want to do that right now. Um, because they're thinking everything is going against them. But when you kind of narrow it down to like, what's that one thing or two things, you can kind of focus on that. So we went to a mastermind last year. Uh, or I guess I did in Taylor. I just uh, went to Hawaii. Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah, so Hawaii. Brandon Turner, uh, the host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, had a mastermind in Hawaii. Um, and we, we were able to go to that. And the big thing with this uh, mastermind that I went to is there was a lot of like really high level um, investors there. And what I realized is a lot of my problems um, aren't even problems that come across their desk. And the reason why is they have other people dealing with a lot of the, you know, small, minute tasks in their business. At the time, we maybe had 
you know, 10 to like 15 properties. Um, and we hadn't really done that much deal volume. Uh, we we're kind of just picking it up. But after we went to that mastermind, what a lot, what, what basically the consensus was, was I need to quit almost everything that I'm doing right now. And not, you know, set it and just, you know, make it go away, but, but hiring the right people in place uh, to really make things more fluid. Because at the time, it was a lot of just survival mode, right? I was trying to talk about, like, you never want to be in survival mode. And at the time, we were in survival mode. And at the time, I didn't think we had the money to pay for all of the outsourcing, right? So we're talking, now somebody's going to manage our entire portfolio. That's 5% of rents. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, uh, those property managers are going to have their employees fix all of the problems in these properties. Well, now, instead of it being $30 an hour, it's 50 or $80 an hour. Yeah. So there was a lot of expenses just with that one thing. And then there was, you know, we wanted to hire a business coach to really help us get those systems in place. Then we wanted to hire a bookkeeper. Uh, then we wanted to hire somebody to manage our Airbnbs. So these, salaries, things, right? these, these things all just cost money. And at the time, I couldn't visualize how we could pay for it. But the biggest piece of advice was don't save, you know, X amount of money to lose out on X amount more money. So by us being able to now all of a sudden, instead of spending five hours a week finding deals now, because we've gotten rid of all the other things around us, now we have 40 or 50 or however many hours we want to spend finding deals. And what we found was we ended up making more by doing less. Right. So we we focused our attention on what actually like, why are we doing real estate? Well, we're doing real estate to make money, right? Like tenants suck. There's no fun in being like, I want more tenants to talk to more people. That's not why we're in there. We're in real estate to make money. So I want to, I should, we should be focusing on the things that generate us income. So thankfully, like Taylor has been the integrator for our business and I was been like the visionary, but we had this vision, you know, we were always good at finding off market leads. So then naturally we said, let's, let's do wholesaling. So let's find deals for ourselves and ones that don't work, let's sell them to other people and make a profit. Uh, and that's really where kind of our you know direction went. I think we went to that event almost this time last year. Yeah. And I think since then we've probably done, I know last year we did about 20 deals. So we probably did like eight for the remainder of that year. And we've done about like 20 to 25 this year. So we've done about like 30 deals since then. And leading up to that uh, event, you know, we had like two years under our belt at the time. Um, so in two years, we maybe did like 12 or 13 deals. And then after that, one year later, we did almost double that in half the time with doing like a tenth of the work, which is which is kind of it's hard to understand. But th that's kind of going back to that point of like you want to hang you kind of want to hang around people that are like a few steps ahead of you. Yeah. You never want like us going and like talking to, you know, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk, like they're not going, they're not going to be able to help us with our business. They're too far ahead. Yeah. But if you talk to somebody who maybe has three or four employees and you're just a one man show, well, like that's a good person to look up to and get mentorship from because how does he have employees and you don't, right? There was obviously some, there was some sort of barrier that he overcame. So you kind of want to stay connected to people yeah. close to you because they can just get you to that next level and then you want to keep going. I was going to say, like, it seems like there's a lot of like levels to this. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, and like, for example, like, like, um, you're an employee and then you want to own a business, but then you own a business, but then you find out that you're an employee in that business. Yeah. You know, the, the next level is to get out, to get yourself out of there. Right. And, and, um, outsource everything else. Have you guys found that you guys have ever experienced like imposter syndrome during those next level 
um, next levels. Like for example, like have you ever felt like you were in a room and you're like, ah, oh, like everyone here feels like you know like they're much like smarter or more advanced than I am. Like well, what am I doing here? Like and how do you deal with that? I would say probably more when we started. I felt that mm-hmm. now that we've like kind of broken in and we've we've quit our jobs and we've proven ourselves like yeah. in that way, like to our family and friends that like this is who we are, this is what we do, and this is normal now. Um, I don't I don't feel like I feel that anymore. But I think like starting out is a big jump from going like an employee from somebody else, and uh, you're you're counting on that income, and people are like the market's going to crash. Like there's all of these doubts and objections that you have. So it is, I feel like you, I, we definitely like, well, I felt like that more at the beginning of like our journey. And now I feel like we've kind of passed yeah. that. And I feel more confident, like jumping into to new industry, not into industries, but like, we're like, Hey, now we're going to be realtors. We're like, Hey, we're going to crush that. Like, we're like, we're already in like, like pivoting from where you're yeah, at. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. It's like the, the idea. And I was talking to our business coach about this because I said to her, I said, uh, I said, mate, like at the time I said, bang it. I want to really, I want to really step back from coaching. And I, I really want to, to really focus on our, the growth of our business. And, and I said to her, I said, the reason I'm comfortable with uh, stepping back from coaching is because if I ever want this opportunity again, I believe I can make this opportunity present itself again. And that's something that's given me a lot of, uh, or a lot less hesitation to give up on things because I know if I want to have that thing back, um, I'm we are all the type of people to make that thing come back, right? Because we're going to make those opportunities present itself again. Um, so, so, so we're able to turn things on and off. But in terms of like the imposter syndrome, I think with the real estate community and entrepreneurship community, um, especially at like a beginner to intermediate level, um, which I think we're all we're all in that bubble, um, you know, people getting started, people, you know, a few years in. I think a lot of people are very supportive. And if they're not, um, it's almost better that they've uh, presented that, you know, kind of right away, because then, you know, I no longer need to associate myself with somebody like this. Yeah. Right. Because I want to be around uplifting people all of the time. There's a big reason why I don't hang out with my high school friends anymore. And I hang out with entrepreneurs all the time. It's because they always keep you level-headed. There's never a bad day. There's never somebody that you can't reach out to that can help you. And everybody that we hang around with is consistently trying to be like a better person. So in that regard, it's hard to ever feel like I'm not welcome here. Because even, you know, some of the newest investors I've met, uh, me and all of my friends, treat them all the same. We were all there at one point. So why not help other people? It feels good and... And there's a lot of there's a lot of benefits too to like going back back to the basics like coaching people and going back to the basics was important um it's same with like you know me like you know i'm a big golfer and stuff and a lot of times too it's like you just got to go back to the basics like if things aren't working sometimes it's like the littlest thing so you're you know you're helping other people and also helping yourself yeah at the same time let's get into that a little bit Um, bring it up i was gonna say i know um i saw this big famous youtube video uh the dead uh dead adder with okay. You and um, Conor Maliki. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, no, the golfing video on YouTube. There you go. So, How many that years video. ago was that? Oh, that was a long time ago. Ten years it, was, ago. It, was, it was a funny video. Yeah, I loved it was it. great. Anyway, shout out to Conor Maliki. Like, I, I actually reached out to him for some golf lessons, but um, yeah, I had golf lessons. With golf yeah, lessons. yeah. But anyways, um, like how. You're really good at golf, man. Like yep. you're really good. Like, what's the vision with golf? Like, like, are you trying to go pro eventually? Or? I don't think so. I think for me, uh, and and kind of what we do with like everything is just try and just try and see how far we can take things. Yeah. Um, I, I find a lot of excitement with that, and and that's I think the next thing for us is like being realtors and really trying to like serve a purpose with with being realtors, um, and and really trying 
to, to kind of outperform what we believe is possible like yeah. with that uh we're never you know trying to compete with other people but taylor and i are very much try to compete with ourselves and you know that and that goes with everything that we do uh whether that's like our relationship or uh like friendship <laughs> or anything right we're just <laughs> always <laughs> no we're always just trying to be like better in everything yeah. we do and yeah. um and I think that's that's kind of like the mentality you need if you wanna if you wanna be yes. successful. It's crazy yeah. you bring that up. Literally, I heard this today. It's like you can't compete with anybody else if you're only competing with yourself. Because once you beat yourself, you beat everybody else. Yeah. And I was I like, like that. And it was weird. I heard that today, literally. And now you're saying it's like kind of that deja vu moment where it's mm. like I think if you really invest in yourself and kind of put all your eggs in there, I don't think there's anybody else to compete with at that point, right? Yeah, it's it, it's an interesting reality trying to compete with people in real estate because um, you know, especially in the like the community that we're all a part of, uh, again, like you know, the beginner to novice investors or intermediate investors. Um, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about you know how many properties they have, and and I, we we really try and like stray away from that. Uh, what's unfortunate is like a lot of people um, take you more seriously when they when they know kind of the things you've done. So that's that's kind of the, like the only downfall or one of the downfalls. But what I realized was there's a lot of bigger fish out there that that you don't say anything, right? And those are the people uh, that I admire, right? So there's a lot of people that I golf with who you know the, the big time developers, you know, building five hundred thousand houses a year, building apartment buildings. These guys aren't on social media. These guys aren't bragging. These guys like to keep their mouth shut. And the reason why is because they're they're always they're just they're thinking to themselves and they're trying to they're they're worried about themselves. They're not worried about what I think about them. Yeah. They don't care. They they could care less what I think about them, right? Um, and and that's that's when I realized I really wanted to you know try and get off social media and just focus on our business, um, which is kind of when I like stopped you know kind of boasting and things like that. And a lot of times it's not like me work, like I, it's not like me grinding, like staring at the computer, making like phone call after phone call after phone call. But a lot of times it's like, just like having more time to like think about, you know, the things going on in our business. Because what, what Taylor and I realized is our time's better spent making, you know, more calculated decisions than just, you know, as many decisions as we possibly can. It's probably a tough like balance though. Is like is like because I don't find like like you ever boast, but it's a tough balance because you probably got a lot of business through social media as well, yeah. right? So so how do you balance that? Yeah, it's tough for sure. So I mean, with social media, we always try to like educate people, yeah, um, and and inspire people. You know, but, but a lot of people get inspired by you saying like I've done all of these things, and yeah. then they think, well, that's there's an opportunity for me too. Yeah, right. Just say that's a really good example of why you can't compare because you can't compare apples to apples. Ten properties in one city is not ten properties in another. Ten properties owned by yourself is not ten properties owned with a bunch of joint venture partners. Like everything looks so different on social media than it, it is in reality. So you can't really compare that way. I like that you guys say that. It's like it's not face value, right? There's like a whole different story behind it. Right. So did you guys ever find like um, that, like um, that barrier between like, like you said, you don't hang out with your high school friends anymore. Right. Like, I guess in every entrepreneur's life, it comes to a point where like it kind of sounds bad, but where you outgrow people. You know what I mean? Um, how like how did you guys deal with that at first? I guess like, yeah, and I guess I guess at that point, it's not like I didn't outgrow them in a, in a way where like I, I felt like better than them. No, I yeah, just yeah, felt yeah, like there was there was an opportunity where I can like surround myself with people who who are, are kind of like on the same trajectory as me. It's not to say that's the only correct, like what we did isn't the like 
the only path to like success because really life's just about like being happy so whatever gives you happiness is for for us all of us it's about like pushing forward every day yeah. for some people it's just hanging out every day right they're happy they're they make fifty thousand dollars a year and that to them is that is exactly where they want to be would um, say the like it was kind of more of a natural transition because it's people that you can relate to yeah. i'm sure you found this too where you're talking with people like you want to talk about real estate you want to talk about business yeah. but it's like it's not the time and place and it's like well what else do you talk about if that's your then you life? feel like you're kind of like like <laughs> people ask how are you doing and then when you say how you're doing you feel like you're bragging yeah but like that's actually how i'm doing now right yeah. so it's, it's, it's like that's, that's a do, weird yeah. like conversation because you feel like like everyone's like like this guy keeps on bragging about himself but you're actually just being honest and that's the most important about hanging out with people that that are like you because you can actually yeah. have those convers- those normal conversations yeah. right yeah. yeah i mean it's even same when i'm golfing uh with other people because I'm, I'm a part of, like, the Oaks, which is, like, basically it's all, like, business owners and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's cool because, like, our conversations are about, like, you know, and it's never bragging, but it's it's a lot of things I want to talk. I like talking about money and not because I like flashing my money. I don't have photos on my Instagram, like, me flashing money. I like making <laughs> Imagine money. Imagine Jamie with all the $100 <laughs> bills. <laughs> I, like, I like building new businesses uh, when the time's right. I like building businesses with the tailor. I like, you know, we... But, but again, it's like these, it's different conversations that you, you wouldn't be able to relate to, uh, with other people. It doesn't help, but like, like money is very like taboo and like talking about money to people that don't have money is like not a positive conversation typically. Well, even to you ask someone how much you make, nobody wants to talk about that, right? It's like, and yeah. Right. Well, like it's like the, a lot of parents, right? They they wrote like they they wrote their kids like you don't ask people what they make. Yeah. yeah. But in yeah. like in our culture, I think and it's never like how much do you make and I want to tell you how much I make so I can you know tell you how much kind better I am. You, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's all about like you know like our conversations are like man, how much money did you make on that deal? Like that's awesome. Like that's yeah. are you gonna do this with that? Like you can do like you can do this and that because we're always just trying to help each other. Like, you don't feel crazy. Like, when you tell someone, like, oh, I'm trying to refinance this, buy a triplex in less than two months, like, they're like, oh, you're crazy. Like, what do you do? Yeah, like, we have yeah. friends who, like, um, you know, now even, again, it's, and it's it's all, like, it's just these ladders when we're just, we're tr- consistently trying to climb them to, 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 to end up where we want to end up. But even now, like, some of the conversations are, you know, like, now it's, like, millions of dollars people are talking about. Whereas, like, three years ago, it was, like, twenty thousand dollars we were talking about right so it's like again it's it's not to like it's not to be flashy or anything like that but it's again like you can see the progress amongst all the people that we surround ourselves with and it's cool always cool to look back and think like you know i started like me and uh like there's there's a ton of investors that i met at my first networking event um and you know there a, a bunch of us we just kind of all were like this is it like we're going we're going all in right and it's kind of cool to look back and see uh like how far we've all sort of come everyone at the end of the race with you pretty much yeah right? yeah, yeah. So yeah we're cool. all ending up at the same point so cool yeah so and i and at, cool. the, at, at the end of the day it's it's what makes you happy right like we always had the goal let's let's buy real estate and let's travel <laughs> and and for a lot of people they can't you know they, they seem to always just work 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 and never actually leave time for the things they actually want uh whereas taylor and i were very much like let's let's we're here Let's do like what we what we set off to like mm-hmm. actually do. Kind of cool because now we can have like lifestyle goals. Like this year, we're like let's let's travel six months of the year, and then we like we packed that in and we're like 
okay, maybe we don't want to travel that much. That's like a lot of travel. And it's like, yeah. so we can kind of like actually play around with our life goals yeah. and not just like how much money do we need to make? Like, you know, what job do we need to get or whatever? That's the cool thing that I found about you guys is you guys actually travel a lot. You know what I mean? Like I, I was getting coached from you guys when you guys were in Costa Rica. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like Jamie's wearing a Hawaiian shirt and he's coaching us. But like at the end of the day, it's like, <laughs> guys, how, how do you guys like, um, yeah, like I guess like probably a lot of people are wondering like how are you guys able to spend two months in a different country and have all the business still work? Yeah, and I, it goes back to to what's that? What's the what's the thing holding you back from that? So you really want to you would try and find a, a source of income that would that would replace the income you would have otherwise made um, when you were when you were back home. Yeah. So for us, it was you know we were coaching people. We were also wholesaling, uh, which wholesaling at the time was, was very lucrative. So, but again. You know, then we had the, the rental properties. We were refinancing properties. Um, just multiple streams of income that kind of all all equated to, to to giving us enough money for, for what we needed. Yeah. And then, uh, Taylor, I was going to ask you, like, um, this, um, I guess this industry is uh, very male dominant. You know what I mean? Have you had to face any barriers, like, being, like, um, like a, a woman entrepreneur in this sort of business? Yeah. I think it's just, like, intimidating for any new person and then a woman going into a group mm-hmm. of, like, old men <laughs> or yeah. like i feel like young men is actually yeah, like yeah. you know no but young men is a better <laughs> yeah, yeah. like you know yep. conversation easier to start but versus like we're entering a room with a bunch of older men yeah. that you're not you know what what do you talk about then especially starting out i feel like um like to, to your point to imposter syndrome like once you're confident and you can like speak about your life your portfolio like you can kind of hold your own um it makes life a lot easier <laughs> i would yeah. say um yeah it's just and then like i would say golf is one of the things so like last year so like i was talking to sarah adder about that and we were kind of just chatting about how like a lot of real estate investing meetups are like golf events which um is like women do play golf but like not a lot of young women play golf right it's normally something like you do when you're retired or you're older um so she was saying like i want to have something that's like more inclusive of, of everybody um which i think is great but it's also why i started to do golf or like get lessons in yeah. golf um so that i could hold my own on the golf course with a bunch of men right yeah, yeah. is the line um deals are made on the golf course very true um yeah i think uh for me it's a lot of times it's just trying to like i'm not trying to like find deals necessarily but you know connect myself with people who could put deals together with me yeah. Well, uh, say, like last year we went to um, a networking event on the golf course and like that's where I met a big private lender that we still use. Yeah, I've had a friend. Like, two of my last golf rounds, I've had conversations with people that have like upwards of like half a million dollars each that want to potentially lend it at some point. Right. So. So, again, you're just like kind of you're just connecting all these dots um, together. How do you guys build on your networking skills? Because like this business, you definitely need to be able to network. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think social media for sure. Uh, like Instagram. I think now I'm closer to I'm close to like four thousand followers, which uh, which is which is big to like you know uh, whether we're like selling a deal or if we've never like tried to raise pr- private funds that way we've just kind of had our own internal network. Yeah. Uh, but it kind of goes back to what we were talking about I think before the podcast started of there's a there's a time and place to to network. Um, you know a lot of a lot of the biggest investors actually funny enough we were at the Chatham meetup uh, this week and I met. Uh, from from what I know, the biggest like uh, couple uh, real estate uh, like investor couple in Chatham, I met them. Um, Wait, is that is that Bob? No, oh, no. I was gonna say I met Bob last time. He's a cool guy. <laughs> but anyways, when I when I was there, 
he said, I didn't know about this event. You know, I just found out about it uh, through Sarah, our property manager. She said I could, she said I could come. He's like, you know, I'm not on social media. I'm not on Facebook. This guy's got 45 houses, Damn. like properties, right? So, again, it's it's not to say you need to, you know, a lot of times we, you know, you know preach like your network is your net worth. But your action also um, goes towards that, right? Because you do see a lot of people going, you know, conference to conference or, you know, maybe coaching program to coaching program with years and years of this with, with little action. And I think to really get ahead, you have to be willing to take uh, some risk. Uh, you know, obviously we can mitigate th- that risk through education, but you have to be willing to take action. And there's a lot of times where it doesn't seem possible. Like there, there's been a lot of times where I've said there's, I can't physically understand how we could buy another property because we're like capped out. And I don't want people like watching this to think we have like tons of money. Um, because I could tell you there's probably been like, I don't know, five or 10 times where I've been like, if like this went wrong, this went wrong. And also this went wrong. Like that wouldn't be good. Yeah. Right. Because we're all, again, we're, we're trying to stretch out all, all the money we have. If we have $80,000 of deployable income or money in our bank account, I'm not th- saying to my, to myself, let's keep that in there. So I feel safe. What we're saying to ourselves is let's spend 75,000 on a down payment and just hope, uh, we don't run out of the other 5,000 in the meantime. Yeah. Like we would like, we would never take we risk that crazy. <laughs> we would never, but like, but kind of on that line of like, you got you, you kind of have to take risks that that you've never. And a lot of times, it seems even worse uh, in the present moment because you've never actually done that thing before, right? Like, if you've never bought ten properties in a year, it seems very difficult to buy ten properties in a year. Last year, we did twenty, and by like May of this year, we were already at twenty. Right. So it's like, but the year prior, like when we were at 10, I was like, I don't understand how we're even going to get to like 11. Yeah. Right. But you kind of got to just keep pushing and going back to that question of what's the thing holding me back. Right. Because there's you, you can't nobody does this on their own. Right. So it's just trying to pull people together that kind of get you there. How many uh, property you guys you guys have in your portfolio right now? We're we're always anywhere between like 15 to like 18. Yeah. Um, right many, now. How many units would that be then? We're. Like again, we're always typically around like sixty-five to seventy-five. We we've sold off quite a bit. We sold uh, like a, a twelve-unit building this year, um, and then basically the beginning of this year, one of our goals was we wanted no more uh, partners. So we had a, a twelve-plex with a partner that we sold. We had a triplex and a duplex with a partner that we sold, and we had two fourplexes with a partner that we sold. Um, and then we also sold a few of our properties as well too. So we kind of uh, shrunk our portfolio, but then maximized our portfolio. Um, with what we had. So there's a lot of times where, you know, we'll buy like a four unit building and, you know, it needs a lot of work. So instead of saying like, I want 12 units of these, we're like, let's buy the one fourplex. Let's clean up that fourplex. Um, Again, going back, real estate's all about making money. If I, if we've turned over a property, right? So it's got, uh, you know, uh, market rents, it's fully renovated and we've refinanced it. Sometimes the rents don't supplement what the actual value is. So we can't even maximize all the equity in that building. So we would say to ourselves, you know, again, like ego aside, because this is all just about making money, right? Well, it makes more sense to sell that building to then, you know, move on and buy. Cause you know, when we, when we bought our first 12 plex, I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like I always dreamed about that. And then we sold it. And I remember when our partner was like, we need to sell this. 
um, just because he didn't want to really be in the real estate game anymore, um, and which was convenient because we wanted to get out of partners. For a while, I was like, man, this sucks. Like, the, well, this 12plex, which, um, you know, it was just this, it was a really nice building. I was like, this thing is going away. <laughs> it was like, it's going away. And like, they, it was always a dream of ours to like own an apartment building. But then again, we're like, why don't we just do it ourselves? Right. So then we went and bought uh, two of our, two of our own. But again, it was like selling that 12 plex was a very important move. Um, because again, it got rid of partners. There was 10 awful tenants in this building out of the 12, like <laughs> awful people. He's like great building. <laughs> and then we were, we were trying, we were trying to go through it, but nobody would leave. So it made sense, right? The building was at its, um, it was at its peak performance for what we could do. Uh, aside from going and offering people like $50,000 to leave, which is, which yeah. it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so again, it had equity. We couldn't, we couldn't access unless we sold it. So it made sense to sell that building. And if we had a, you know, bought that out from our partner, it financially wouldn't have made sense because again, it would have been a lot of money down, um, and not a lot of money being made on the money you put into it, right? Yeah. So we're always trying to look at like what's the return on investment. So if you put a hundred thousand in, we're always, tr you know, trying to look for a certain percentage back out of that. Um, obviously, with the goal of getting all of our money back and then it being a property that just kind of funnels itself, but. Uh, yeah. How was um, your, your strategy changed? Because like, you guys got into the real estate in 2019. Was that, is that correct? 2019, yep. you guys got into it. So you guys have enjoyed an up, uphill climb, yep. right? Yep. Now we're seeing you know, things are getting a little shaky. Uh, a lot of like, interest rates are going up. A lot of investors you know, are, are getting worried. Um, how is your strategy changing? Yeah, yeah. I would say, uh, yeah. So for the past three years, like you're right, it's been upwards. So people have been able to complete, and us included, have been able to complete the Burr method. So the buy, renovate, re rent, refinance, repeat very quickly, like six months or less, like very quickly. Um, where now, like that's not going to be the case. So for us, we're not going to be renovating um, likely as much as we've been doing. We're also not going to be in a huge rush to renovate, knowing that we're going to be refinancing right away. Um, we've been getting more vendor take backs, so seller financing. Um, but most of the ones we've done recently are like two year terms. So we're like, we're not in a huge rush to refinance. So like can you kind of explain a, a VTB? Sure. A yeah. Vendor take -back. yeah. Yeah. So, so it's seller financing. So essentially the owner likely doesn't have a mortgage or has a very small amount of mortgage and they are going to be the bank for you. So they're essentially acting as like Scotiabank and, but you can negotiate everything. So you're going to negotiate the length of the term, probably one to five years, your interest rate, if you're doing interest only or principal and interest and like how, whatever, how high it is. Um, and the loan to value. So how much money you're putting down. So you get to decide all of that in talks with the seller. Uh, assuming they don't have a mortgage and they can hold the financing and are happy to do that um right. then you pay them the mortgage payment you pay them the down payment and then they can defer their capital gains if it's a rental property over the length of the loan yeah okay. the benefit to to vendor take back mortgages and why they're uh so important right now is uh, for a lot of sellers price is everything mm -hmm. i would say for like 95 percent of people price is everything um and everything else is it doesn't matter to them so, so at this at this point, um, you know, because we're long term investors, we can we we have time to kind of weather the storm. So the most important thing at this point is is basically making sure you don't go under, right? And I think we're going to see a lot of people go under, um, and a lot of people like are kind of in the process right now of going under, um, just being over leveraged, and and just being way too risky, right? With uh, with not a lot of cash reserves. So kind of like what Taylor was saying, 
we're trying to be very cash heavy right now. So for example, we have a three bedroom unit that's probably about a hundred thousand dollar renovation. Uh, it's got like, you know, 14 foot ceilings, it's a really nice unit, but it's fully gutted. So instead of, uh, you know, fix, finishing that unit to renovate it and maybe only getting like 1500 bucks a month um, for rent, uh, for that property, we're going to wait until it's close to renewal on that mortgage. So then we can put the hundred thousand in to renovate that unit and then refinance it pretty close to once we spent it, get it back out. So for that property we have, we're locked in for two years, we can't refinance it. So to do it now, we'd have a hundred thousand dollars locked in and maybe only make 15 or $20,000 until the loans, you know, up for renewal. So we're doing more things like that. And, uh, but yeah, and going I would say it's also like balancing, which has, has always been a thing, but more so now when you, you want to have cash for when the market changes, there's opportunity or so you don't go under, um, is the active and passive income. So like most yeah. of our portfolio is passive income. We don't really do flips. So it's like wholetails. That's why being a realtor, we did coaching. Um, sometimes we do sell things and then refinance. So refinances have been like a big source of essentially like active income. Well, your loan to value or like your, our DCRs aren't going to come in because your interest rates are much higher. So like refinances are no longer like a good, strong, viable option um, to what they have been the past three years. So like that's also why pivoting to becoming a realtor is another source of income for us to keep keep generating active income. So, so is that why you guys purchasing. kind of seeked out becoming realtors? I would say I would say it's more so. So the realtor thing came from. Uh, so we hired Spencer. Uh, yeah. Spencer's on our team and Spencer's our acquisitions manager. So. So I guess going into that a little bit, what's Spencer's whole job is finding off-market properties, undervalued properties, and then doing basically one of the three, the following. Uh, we either wholesale it to somebody. So what wholesaling is, is essentially, uh, I come to, to one of you guys and I say, I wanna buy your house. You say, okay, uh, I, let's agree on $200,000. Then I can go to another investor, Taylor, and I can say, hey, I've got Jordan's property under contract for $200,000, but I wanna sell it to you. I wanna sell you this piece of paper um, because in this legal piece of paper, I have a clause that allows me to assign it to somebody else. I'm then going to assign it to Taylor for whatever price we agree on. Um, and then I'll make the difference between 200000 and whatever I sell it to Taylor for. So maybe Taylor wants to buy it for $240,000. Um, and then I'll, we will make that spread. And the benefit to that is a lot of times, um, you know, they're quick closings. Uh, a lot of times their properties, like we can't even get into. So yeah. we're kind of buying them sight unseen, which is why they have these... Um, you know, kind of low price points. Uh, but then again, kind of during the pandemic, people, there there was no deals where you could buy on the MLS. It was very difficult. So for a lot of people, you know, wholesaling was kind of their way of finding those deals. Um, the other thing we do is, you know, potentially uh, wholesale it, which is essentially buying the property and then selling it. You know, usually we're going in and having to like clean out all the junk in the, in the property, like whether that be like a hoarder unit or maybe like a tenant trash the unit and the landlord's just done. So we'll go in, clean it up and then relist it. Uh, and for a lot of people, you know, you'd think like, oh, why don't they just clean it out and do it themselves? But there's been times where we've cleaned out properties, uh, you know, with like two, you know, full, full like 40 yard bins worth of garbage. Damn. And if somebody that's like 80 years old, you know, wants to do this, or maybe they don't even have money to, to, to actually even pay somebody to do that. Just too overwhelming. For too me. overwhelming. Yeah. So for a lot of people, it's like, I, you know, I, I bought this 20 years ago. I paid $15,000 for it. I'm making a happy profit. Um, and you know, as, as they're an investor, so they know us as an investor, we're not doing this for free. Yeah. Uh, we're not in this to, you know, uh, just make no money cause we got to also make ends meet as well too. Um, and then the other thing, uh, is we'll potentially buy it. 
So we keep about, I would say like 25% of the deals, but again, it's, it's all about just, you know, where we can make uh, kind of money and, and spreads, right? So, yeah. yeah, so so we make the spread on the wholesale. And then after that, we potentially wholesale it, uh, which is again, buying the property, cleaning it up and, and reselling it uh, for for a small margin. Usually those are, those are they're, they're, they're really tight uh, in terms of making making a spread because you've got you know your lawyer fees twice because you've got to buy it and then sell it. You've got realtor fees on the back end. You've got private money on the front end that you're paying for. Usually you know, a lender is going to want three months of interest plus a little lender fee. Um, so the, so they're, yeah, the cleaning fees, you've got to pay for people to clean the garbage out. So like a deal like that, you know, they're, 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 they are risky um, and the margins aren't great. So, for example, we did one a couple months ago, maybe in, in July. We bought it for $155,000, and we sold it for $200,000. Um, but we didn't actually have to do really anything with that property. Um, and that one there only fetched, I think it was like maybe an $18,000 profit. So you can see like there's there looks to be $45,000 of profit. But after you start you know dishing out money to everybody, uh, for this and that, you know, the, the margins get really shrunk. And for that one in particular, we got under contract in April. So kind of when the market was, you know, it was still, it was still good. People were thinking like, oh, we just got the one interest rate hike. Everything's, you know, probably going to be okay. Um, and then, and then it just, it just started tanking, right? Yeah. You know, interest mm-hmm. rates started going higher and higher. So then we closed in July. So there was a lot of risk for us. Um, and at the time when we bought it, I thought we could maybe get about 250 for it. Uh, then we ended up getting 200. So you can see how quickly uh, or how risky they can become. And, and that's why we try and we try and wholesale them if possible. So again, we could have wholesaled that one for $175,000, made the exact same amount of profit margin. Without the work. Without the work. Um, so that's why we try and wholesale them if possible, but we're always committed to, yeah. to buying them. But like the benefit to, I guess, us and the seller is for a whole, like a wholesale is like, Okay, we know if we have to close in seven days, like that's typically the case where it's like seller, we'll do this deal if you can close in like seven days. So mm-hmm. it's like you can't assign that to somebody and hope that they can close because there's a good chance they can't. Yeah. You, know, you need a really confident investor where it's like we know we have access <clears throat> to private capital and then we can be able to close that in seven days. So we'll do it and know the profit will be smaller, but it's better than nothing, right? Yeah, it's yeah. just money coming in at the end of the day, right? You guys know you even have the resources too where you can call the right people as you guys outsource most of your stuff. It's like, okay, come do this, done job's done you're just making the profit at the end right yeah, yeah. and yeah. the benefits of the wholesales are you know we get to use our private lenders money they're yeah. making a sweet return yeah um and you know our lawyer gets you know two very easy transactions he's getting paid the realtor gets paid so you're kind of you're, you're 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 paying a lot of people along the way too feeding the team yeah and it's kind of yeah. cool even now too like having spencer uh you know because you're there's a lot of times where we're able to just like kind of take what people have and just you know, help them really build on that. So like even Spencer, you know, went from, you know, just like kind of your average job to now he's, you know, doing, doing very well with us. Same with like our contractor. He started as like a one man show. He's now, he's got six employees, probably going to do like a million and a bit worth of like revenue this year, which he went from like, you know, two years ago, probably doing like $80,000 worth of revenue. So maybe not even he like, we started, (laughs) he like, I was saying that was almost three years ago now, but yeah, he started by, he was a handyman. Yeah. He changed a doorknob for us. And he's, he's, and he's, and he's 20, 21 years old right now. So like, it's kind of cool to, to be able to, so he's a baby. 
Yeah. So like even <laughs> it's perfect though. Like when what when he's thirty, you know how good that kid's gonna be yeah. Yeah. for you guys. But yeah, even our and property, he bought, he sold, we sold, we'll sell him his first property. Yeah. Oh, what? Yeah, and yeah. the same thing. He I, again. He I was always telling him, Josh, you gotta buy properties. Jeremy, I can't. I can't buy property. I said yes, you can. So then I found him one. It's right on the water. It's a it's a sweet little lot. It's exactly what he wanted. Uh, and then I, I helped him buy it. Right. So again, like you're you're we're giving, as much as like. You know, we always try and make sure, like, we have enough, and that we're a lot of times we're just trying to help, like, other people, too. Like, even our property manager, I remember saying to them when, when we first signed on with them, I said, like, do people ask you to, like, send them off-market leads of, like, people, like, your clients selling? And they say, yeah, like, everybody asks us. And I said, do you ever, like, you know, give them the leads? And they say, no, like, you know, confident, confidentiality, yeah, yeah. things like that. And, and I, so we were talking to them and, and within that conversation, we kind of found out that they wanted to grow from like 300 units to 600 units. So what we did is we just started sharing more and more about them. So then naturally they got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think now they're at like 650 units. So, but, but what's cool is, is they share all the leads with us. Right. So we built the relationship. We they realized this isn't like a one way street. Um, and then every time they give us, you know, our property manager, uh, she just gave us a lead that we closed on last week and, uh, and I gave her 2,500 bucks. So, so imagine like, you know, somebody making, you know, probably 25, 35, maybe $40 an hour. And then all of a sudden, you know, one of your clients gives you like 2,500 bucks for sending an email. It's a pretty, it's a pretty sweet ROI for her. And it's great for us because now, you know, for us to find a lead might cost us five or $10,000. So for us, it's a win. And for her, it's a win. So everybody's happy, yeah. right? And then the seller got a really easy tr- like, transaction, right? So for that one, we closed in seven days. Yeah. Like most people, you know, if he wanted to sell that on the market, it would have taken a realtor probably, you know, seven, 10 days to get it on the market. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, the realtor might have taken 30 days to sell it. And then there might have been a 60-day close. So instead of two, three months, it's a week. Right. So so there's a lot of benefits. Maybe he could have got a little bit more on market, but there's a benefit. Um, there's well, always and it was seller financing and there was seller financing, too. Yeah. yeah. So. How is it, how important is it for you guys to give back to your community? Like um, like when did you guys think like, you know, like we should be giving back because you guys do give back a lot. Yeah. 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 I would say like for me, I came like I went to school in psychology and mm-hmm. child, uh, child social institutions and social service worker. So it was like. And I worked in a group home, so I feel like that's, like, like that was, like, my role. And, like, that was, like, what I thought I was going to do was, like, giving back and working in that kind of field. And that's kind of, like, diverted from that. So it's nice to be able to, like, still give back and, like, contribute in not ways that I had imagined, but, like, in, in totally different ways. Right? There's that, like, you know, a lot of people say, like, if you were to ask somebody, like, what would you do if you won, like, the lottery? Like, a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm going to end, you know, homelessness. I'm going to do all of these things. And maybe the question would be like, well, why aren't you doing that now, but just on like a smaller scale? Like, why can't you donate like $5 a week, right? Like, why does it have to be $5 million you donate? So that was the same with us. It's like, yeah, we can't afford to donate a million dollars a year, but maybe for us, $10,000 is reasonable, right? Or, or, or why can't we donate? Like, you know, even uh, you go to a grocery store, like, hey, do you want to donate to this cause? Absolutely, like, absolutely. Yeah. Um, why not? There was I remember the one time we were we were somewhere, 
Where was that? <laughs> I got my engagement ring. <laughs> um, and I think they said something. It was like, do you want to donate? And, you know, usually it's like, and this isn't to brag or anything. It was just funny. But I, I said I was like, I don't know, 50 bucks or something. And she's like, $50? I said, yeah, why not? Is that, is yeah. that okay? You're feeling yeah. good. You got it. Like, like, I got you. Like, I just yeah. your ring. People <laughs> probably like, donate like $2. And he's like, well, for like... $50 yeah. isn't that bad when you look at the price that you're already spending, right? Yeah. <laughs> there's been, like, a few times, too, I've, like, bought people groceries and stuff. And I know a lot of people, like, there, there's, like, there, there definitely is a benefit to, like, sharing it. Because then it gives other people, like, oh, I would love to do something like that, too. I don't really like, you know, like, the like the public promotion. Like, look at me, I'm yeah. buying. But it's, it is it is cool. Like, I know last year at Christmas I bought, um, there was somebody ahead of me. And I said, like, hey, you know, like, uh, like no worries, I'm just going to pay for this. Yeah. And I, I was buying, like, a bubbly something like yeah. it but it's it, you feel really good like for like the next 24 hours i felt like really good and the weird thing is, is like who's to say like that's not coming back exactly. like, like that karma you know what i mean and that's not yeah. that's why you guys like maybe are so successful because yeah. you guys are putting such a heavy weight on like giving back to the community and yeah. i believe in like subconscious and like how things work and like you know yeah. what i mean like we always talk about that right? yeah manifestation what you give is what you get it's like yeah. if you put that energy out like, like I tell him all the time. Sometimes I'll just like talk into this guy and kind of like project these ideas that I have. Next thing I know, next week it's happening. And I'm like, oh, like I started kind of realizing I got to be more um, safe with what I asked for because it's like the world will give it to you as long as you give to it. Right. Yeah. So kind of that idea. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And I was going to say, um, if it's, maybe you guys can highlight like what has been one of the biggest success stories in real estate and what has on the opposite end been a nightmare. Like just give one <laughs> and one. <laughs> okay. Um, I would say like our biggest like nightmare was like when we were managing ourselves and we had really bad tenants like uh, our first experience and like we were it was with a joint venture so like it was our job to manage it and to like deal with it all and uh, there was like guns and drugs and jail and Jeez. restraining orders and all that stuff so like that was probably our biggest like kind of shit show <laughs> yeah yeah I Right. In China, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we like me. It was actually funny. Um, Andrew, somebody who ended up working for us for a bit, he was a linesman at the time and he was working on a line and like right down the street from this property. And you know, he's hearing all these cop cars, so he pulls his phone out. And then, like, we come behind the cop cars, and you know, the cops are like, What do you want to do? The door's locked. Then, like, let's break it down because then when you guys come, like, you know, tonight to like, because you guys come here all the time, and you don't need to knock at the front door, the front door's just not there. Yeah. Um, and then you know they went up, <laughs> and then they, cause the, like I mean, all, they can't just break. Yeah, in yeah, for yeah. No yeah. yeah. Unless you guys tell them anything. to, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, and it was crazy. You know, there was like, you know, bikes everywhere. There was like, really? you know, the the one tenant's like profile picture was him with like a, like a, what I think was like an AK forty seven or something. Yeah, that's heavy. Um, I think, Damn. yeah, the, like, does that fall was, back on you guys at all in any way? Because no. it's your house, but like you have them as tenants. I mean, maybe, but these like these tenants aren't type. They're not the type of people to say like, "Hey, police! This guy just did this to me." Like, they're well known. They don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like okay. the cop, like they they know them very. Like when you call, like we, we would call like the non nine one one number. Like there was like, you got the private no. number, really. Yeah, and yeah. and they would say like, "Who's your tenant?" It's Chatham, right? So there's like in the main city, there's just, like fifty thousand people. There's maybe only. 200 people that cops like are always communicating yeah, with baby yeah. so they know them all by name um and you had one of the 200 we had <laughs> two of them. the 200 <laughs> the same building and they hated each other so our one tenant it was funny because when we they they arrested the one tenant and uh, I he was like oh man i arrested you the other night like i told you that 
And so I was talking to the cop. I said, what happened? He said he was in uh, Blenheim the other night and he, yeah. he was hopping all these fences, stealing all the neighbors like weed plants. And he ended up having <laughs> just this huge bag of weed plants. You know, he couldn't have been smart and taken like five because that's probably all he actually needed. Yeah, he had to take like 50 of them. And he said, you know, I, I got there and these neighbors like these in a very nice subdivision were just beating this guy like this guy up because they stole all his like, the, you know, they pulled like these pot plants. Yeah, these yeah. poor guys were probably working on for months yeah, yeah. trying to just oh, keep yeah. alive. Oh, yeah. That news article was so funny. Chad Adams like notorious for sharing like police briefs. So and like they mm-hmm. share names and everything They're, like kind of no savage. Filter. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> tenant crime, uh, yeah. was detained by neighbors. <laughs> so, like, the neighbors like kept him there until the police came. Did That's they put crazy. the address too? Like yeah. you guys ever see your guys' Oh, address yeah. We would, I used there, to like, search when we used to manage ourselves. I would go like on the Chatham police website and like search our street names. Oh, and like no. we found, we had tenants. Our first tenants we ever placed, she was selling meth. And oh, yeah. The last <laughs> yeah. tenant Jeremy placed was also selling meth. Yeah, so I, I, I put a teacher into one of our units, which you think is this a Facebook wow, one? This I'm, is the Facebook yeah, one you posted. Yeah. You, thought, oh, you thought, wow, I put a teacher and I hit the gold mine here. Yeah. This guy's always paying. There's no a single family house. Yeah. I was like, this guy's going to live in here for like 15 years. It's going to be great. Never going to raise his rent. He's going to be perfect. <laughs> Stops <laughs> paying a month in. And then, luckily, he gave me his principles, like, uh, as, his, as his reference, and I talked to his principal. So, Holy months shit. went on, and I said to him, fine, I said, hey, man, you know, I'm really, really concerned about you. I said, I, I feel like I should just call your principal and just kind of see what's going on. You know, you haven't paid rent, or I haven't, you know, communicated with you. I got, like, an e-transfer, like, two minutes later, like, with all the money. So, That's I was like, wow, crazy. that worked. And then, yeah, six months, six or eight months went by, he didn't pay again, and then, I said to my property manager, I said, hey, Sarah, let's go down there and let's just do a walkthrough of the unit because we knew we were going to get an eviction soon. And we went there and the door was open in the back. So then we walked in and we were talking to the neighbors and he said, yeah, like he, he got arrested for like cooking meth like Jeez. the other day. And so I called Taylor and Taylor said, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it on, on Google right now. That's it definitely um, happened. Story checked he out. got he got pulled over for having a, a license that he was area. He was driving without a license. So he got pulled over, and then he had he got caught with all his drugs. And so. that they, and he's teaching someone's kid. Not, <laughs> yeah, anymore. Not, anymore. not anymore. Not anymore. Teach how to cook meth. No, but yeah. like, that's like, rowdy. That's and I think yeah. rowdy. I think our biz, biggest success was probably uh, one of the twelve fluxes we bought this year. It was one that I was going after for like a very long time. A good friend of, or a buddy of mine, Ben. Uh, it was his 12 plex and I, and I really wanted this thing and I was always after him and it was, it was New Year's Eve. We were having Christmas. No, it was New Year's Eve. We we're having this party at our house and everyone's, you know, partying or whatever. I'm like on the computer, like, you know, he's like, we agreed on this price and I sent it and then we like, you know, oh, I want this change. So I was going back and forth on New Year's Eve and, um, and then, so we got that one. We, we managed to buy it and what was cool about that is is we like f- we financed it like a hundred percent with like other people's money uh, it was like a it was close to like a two million dollar building so at the time it was like just it was like it was to me it was like it was like the coolest thing ever because yeah. it was our first big building that we had like kind of bought and found off market um, all, by all, all by ourselves yeah too like no partners anything like yeah. that and what was cool is we had the eight units in there that were already vacant um, or seven, sorry. And then I was able to get one more uh, person to agree to leave, and uh, we just got another vacancy in it now. And then we'll have another one by the end of the year, uh, just from a tenant like not paying that we bought the building and she wasn't paying. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that that one there will be like ten of ten of twelve completely turned over. It's like really high end finishes, like 
really nice building. Yeah, it looks beautiful. Yeah, and like the, I think the execution was the coolest because we did. It was the seven or the eight units in like 10, 11 weeks. Damn. Um, like, it was it was crazy. Like we there were so many people working there, and there was just like a lot. Like I remember our private lenders like Jeremy. I want to come down like every week because it was a big. It was the biggest mortgage he's ever done, like certainly the biggest mortgage we've ever done and it, it was it was incredibly risky like so how, how much how much interest are you paying a month on that? yeah was so that was that was fifteen thousand dollars a month <laughs> yeah Damn. but not to mention um you know once you're done the renovations on that building you can't just go to td and they just slap a new mortgage on it like there, it's a lot of money so there's a lot of due diligence that gets that that gets put put into it um, so we ended up having to hold it. We were done in about three and a half months, but it took us six months total just to like refinance it, like oh. or like two and a half months after the three and a half. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like you know, it was a, it was it was definitely close to like a four hundred thousand dollar like renovation. Yeah. Um, plus, you know, another like hundred and fifty thousand dollars in in interest payments, and then we had to put a hundred and fifty thousand dollars down. So like for us, it was it was we were very far stretched. And of course, we bought this in January when you know all anybody could think about is real estate going like oh. straight up. Yeah. <laughs> and by the time we were done the project and refinanced it in July, rates went from two and a half, two point seven five to like five and a half percent. Yeah. So now all of a sudden, yeah, your building's worth X amount, but we can only we can only give you a mortgage of this amount because now interest rates like they don't cover that, right? Yeah. You all of a sudden have three percent extra interest on two million dollars. It's a lot Can't of money per year. Oh, yeah. Sixty thousand dollars a year in extra interest payments, right? So then, then the issue became, um, well, now, right? So we had a one point eight million dollar loan on the building, and we bring it to Libro, who's the bank that we deal with, and Libro says, "Okay, we'll do this, but we're going to give you a one point five million dollar loan." So now, what that looks like is just to refinance this building. I got to come up with another $300,000 just to refinance this thing Jeez. after spending six, $700,000 to do yeah. it. And so that was, that was pretty stressful. And, and uh, shout out to our mortgage broker, Josh, he was able to, <laughs> to get it done. Uh, we were able to like just get a loan for the amount we needed, yeah. uh, which was cool. Interest only loan, which, which really helped kind of, you know, weather out the storm. But, uh, but that was, I would say like our biggest yeah, that's crazy and then another big thing is like you guys started the chatham real estate meetup right yeah like you two started the whole meetup there um and mike mike is part of it we'll give him oh some yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, how important was that for you to to have um a meetup in the city that you're investing in because i know i've heard you in podcasts say like like i'm niche down you know what i mean like i know everything about chatham i don't have to look at any comps i know if it's a deal or not like how important was it for you to have investors like meetup yeah, well, Taylor and I, we were kind of talking about this earlier, you know, like, even if you, like, drive through a small town, you're like, oh, like, why isn't there, like, this here or whatever, right? And it's the reason why it's because someone hasn't started it. And maybe, like, you know, you're like, for us with the Chatham uh, meetup is, you know, I want it to be, like, we always want it to be, like, the Chatham people. When people think Chatham, want you to think Jeremy or Taylor. Yeah. Because naturally, we would get more deals that way and all of that. And it was a lot easier, you know, to go to a lender and say, hey, do you want to lend us money? we're very niche down. Like we, we only do the same thing every single time. We don't, we're not doing developments. We're not flipping. We've never flipped a house before. Like we've never actually went in, fixed it up. Like yeah. we, do, we, we specialize in buying rundown properties, turning them over, refinancing them and continuing that process. So 
stick to one thing and we just wanted to build out our network yeah. right so yeah and that's crazy because like i feel like a lot of people like um they get that shiny object syndrome or whatever right like a lot of people like even i feel like invested in florida and then look what happened with hurricane ian right like yeah, it's like yeah, those guys are probably like dealing with a lot of insurance claims right so it's like i love the fact that you guys are very niche down and you guys are focused on your one thing and i think you said this too you're like it's kind of boring what we do but it's working and when i when i do stuff that I, I'm super excited about. That's I don't make as much money as when I'm doing the boring stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that that's a super so interesting. So you figured it out, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, I yeah, go ahead. Um, no, I just had the question about um. So it would kind of go back into this because Instagram questions. We did like kind of promote that you guys were going to be on it. So we had a question from someone who asked like, I guess it's a lot of people, or maybe it's just people there. If you have bad credit, no down payment. What would you recommend to someone like that? I think finding a partner that that has what you're looking for, right? The leverage, so good, right? Good credit, yeah. Leverage their, you know, don't be afraid to give up, you know, half the whatever. And if, yeah. and if like, let's say, like playing devil's advocate, like let's say they're like, oh, um, I don't have any experience. How am I supposed to get a partner? You know what I mean? Like, what would you say to that? So maybe educating yourself so that you can explain it. You know, so so for me, like I I, I could I could probably convince most people to like invest with us. And the reason why is I have the education behind me to to to. I can officially explain something of how a deal works. You you guys might understand how a deal works, but when you try to explain it to somebody, it might be very confusing, right? Whereas when when we talk to people, people understand it. So so be understanding more about what you're trying to actually execute and being able to better explain it to somebody would would probably be where I would, would be at, right? Like if they don't have the education um, behind them, they're there there isn't a reason why somebody should invest with them but if they do understand what they're doing and they've put in the time to understand it well now now they have a better chance okay. yeah. so build your credibility almost yeah. in a way right okay yeah. um another one that we had is like okay let's say you have minimal down payment you have a good credit um you have a steady income what would be your first recommendation for someone to do yeah i mean if you don't have if you don't have a big uh down payment you know, going to banks, trying to get lines of credit, uh, trying to think about like, what is the thing you do and how can you leverage that maybe after work? Can you work longer hours? Can you work longer hours at work? Like there's a lot of things you can do. Maybe you have to get paid like, you know, straight time, but you still work more, more hours. Like there's, you, you, you just need to make more money, right? Yeah. There's, there's only so much you can save, but there's an infinite amount of how much you can make. Yeah. And I, you know, so, so for like the, what Taylor and I did a lot of times was we just looked at how much we make per week and what are our expenses? What's the maximum amount of money we can save and just maximize it. We right? also like worked hard, right? Yeah. Like we worked all through university. I had three jobs every summer. We both became McDonald's managers. Like we like, you have to have a strong work ethic and have the of want course. to do it. Right. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people they want to do it, but when it comes to like, okay, this is the work you have to do, it's like, uh, yeah. I want to do it another way. Yeah, you know, like yeah quick, quick, the quick easy money. Way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody wants to. Well, it's, we, I think we talked about last podcast. Is no one wants to work anymore. It's everybody wants the results yeah. without yeah. the work, without the effort. I so. saw a saying online, and it was somebody saying, and um, it was somebody asking like, how do I get like fit, basically like super easy, and then the the guy in the podcast is like, why does it have to be easy? Like, why does why does getting fit have to be easy? Why can't it be hard, right? And you know, it's 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 not going to be easy at the beginning because again, it's maybe it's just something you've never done before, so it seems difficult. But again, like eventually, it becomes boring and, and easy. What a lot of people don't realize is like it's not always fun either. 
you know what I mean like yeah. it's like some late nights or like you know you keep on grinding like some like there's some down days you know what I mean where you're really down on yourself and like and like um but you gotta keep on pushing and, and persevering and it's not for everybody you know like you guys said earlier like if you're happy with your nine to five and and you're happy with like your life amazing like we all aim to like you know like be satisfied with how we're living right mm-hmm. so so yeah that's crazy it's fire, man. so yeah um I guess uh we could probably I have one more question um <laughs> <laughs> sorry <Yeah>. so <laughs> everyone's like okay we're about to remember what Mr. B said yeah 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 so cool. like, honestly I have one more question um what is your overall thought on where the market is gonna be going I know it's like no one has a crystal ball but like based off your experience yeah people always say like follow the institutional money you know like people aren't like institutions aren't buying you know like REITs aren't buying apartment buildings right now or at least they've you know slowed down like that's where like banks and institutions are like where majority of the money is right mm-hmm. it's not from from people like us so you want to look at like where they're putting their money and how they're kind of adjusting to these times i think the consensus is a lot of people are getting like shrunk right now like with you know how much you know all of a sudden it went from two and a half percent to five and a half percent so that really shrinks people's buying power um i have like a lot of i would consider like wealthy friends who are uh like dramatically reducing their like their the, the money they're spending monthly so if people like that are are doing um you know reducing their their monthly spend like what are people that are already paycheck to paycheck doing yeah. right so you know if there's like there is the saying you know be f- you know be greedy when others are fearful yeah i think the way taylor and i are approaching uh these coming times are let's be safe and and you know be be very conscious about the decisions we're making because it's very easy, very easy to go under. Um, I know a lot of, I know like four or five people that had, you know, a lot of, you know, real estate who have like, just like literally gone under, right? Like in the last like year. So for us, like we don't want to be those people. I would rather miss out on opportunities, right? No, I don't want to go crazy or we don't want to go crazy in the next year or two. I'd rather miss out on opportunities and just know like I'm comfortable. Okay, yeah. back to like happy. Like are we, are we happy? We're happy. What's the point of stressing ourselves out to a point of potential like collapse, right? Like we've we've kind of done what we want to and now we're just kind of like steadily going at it. So yeah. Cool. Yeah, so I guess we could wrap it up there. Yeah. Um, unless you have another question, Coco. Well, I did. I, like, <laughs> no, was, like just going off of that, it was just all I did kind of wanted to ask is like cuz you guys did make uh, I guess a goal of like 200 units by the end of December of 2023. Is that going to happen at this point, you think? Um, <laughs> this is it, <laughs> it, um, it likely... I I don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, but, wait, what was it, by 2023? Yeah, December of 2023 was the thing. And, so and I just asked, a, like, you yeah. said you're downsizing, right? So it's like, now you're kind of just adapting with the times, which is kind of amazing to hear, right? Because like now you're just formulating a new plan, right? It's not that it's never going to happen, but it's like, Maybe, we, as you said, you're kind of going to more cash positive where it's yeah. like, yeah. where I need to be safe in this. Because, like, I think you guys probably had that approach because we've seen it just going up, right? And now that it's going down, it's like, okay, we got to rehash our plan, right? I think correct? one thing that I always try and say to myself is, like, you know, it's really important to create goals. And I think almost more important to create, to, to scratch existing goals and create new ones when times are changing. Um yeah, like I don't, I don't see having two hundred units. I actually don't even. I never even know how many units we have because it's. I'm at the point where like I don't care, um, and not because we have so many where it's like, screw it, you know, like we're like top of the world. It's because like I always like, do we have enough money coming in to make ourselves happy? 
if the answer is yes, like that's, that's how much money I want to make. I don't want to make, I, we do not strive to be like, let's make a million dollars this month. Like we, we, we aren't those types of people. And if, if we ever did have a goal like that, it would probably be like, let's try and make so much money this month and donate like 90% of it. Like we would do something like that, but it's never like, let's make us so much money so we can like, for what, to buy a, to hoard a, it, a yeah. bigger box. Like we, we're not flashy. We've like, we've, if we've got the house we want like we're just we're just trying to be like comfortable at this point i would say like our goals change quite often like our, our definitely our business coach would laugh like even our plans <laughs> change quite yeah. often but yeah. like goals definitely like we're reviewing them weekly quarterly you're like okay are we still doing this the next quarter or, like how are our goals changing like we're already thinking like hey what are we going to make for our goals next year yeah. and like i would say in terms of like buying real estate like we know we want to continue buying real estate but like i wouldn't say our main goal anymore is like how many units do we want it's yeah. it's totally different yeah, yeah. It's, okay that's awesome cool well yeah like honestly thank you guys both so much for taking the time out of your busy schedules yeah. to sit down with uh, coke and i yeah it was and, awesome yeah, I loved it was it. awesome it was great do you guys want to say anything else to um plugins like, anything? any plugins yeah like just, just take action if you if you have a goal go after it i think a lot of times people you know in your inner circle right now are maybe going to be doubting you but there's there's a lot about people out there that like are cheering for you and and though just surround yourself with people like that that's sweet make sure you follow tay j real estate everyone and make sure you like comment and subscribe all right peace, peace.